Hey guys, it is your boy, Kyle Conkeel, here with yet another episode of the podcast. Um, yeah, this was my first Zoom podcast, um, and the audio quality isn't terrible, but it's not as good as if I were in person. But, you know, with all these new advantages, technologically, I've decided to try to utilize that and do some more not in-person podcasts. Um, I thought it was going to be a hurdle because I'm used to talking with people face to face and, you know, you have that interaction, but luckily with, you know, with zoom, uh, mind you, they're not a uh, sponsor of the podcast. Um, you can actually separate the audio channels. So that's nice. I'm able to kind of edit the audio channels the same way I would if I had two microphones and uh yeah it was uh it was definitely experience and then they there will be more of the um zoom type podcasts I'm going to see if I can find another type of service that maybe um does audio a little bit better uh I know that there is um Oh gosh, what is it? Pod Squad or something like that? Um, but it's pretty expensive, so I don't know. Um, Jesus, my phone is just going off like crazy. I'm just, I'm just trying to record this little intro here. Um, but speaking of sponsors, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, um, you can always shoot me an email at juststfupodcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up at any of my socials at ksconkeel on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm not really doing the Facebook all that much right now, so those are your best places to get a hold of me. Um, I could put your band's music on here. I could talk about your product or your brand. So yeah, if there's anything you know you would like to have talked about on my podcast, you can sponsor an episode and I will give you a full 30 second to one minute description of your product. And if you are a band, I will play your newest single. So yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a very busy week. I've been trying to find a home for the podcast. I've been trying to find, uh, cause I'm doing everything DIY. I have no I have no podcast company that I'm working with. I have no nothing. I'm kind of just trying to do this all on my own. And that's been kind of uh that's been kind of weird because when I had the podcast before, I was kind of under the umbrella of my cousin's company, the Fantasy Football Guys, and they just kind of I would just give them episodes and it would magically appear online. So, learning how to kind of find hosts for free or for fairly cheap, and then kind of uploading it to Spotify and Apple for now, and, you know, maybe down the line if I do get some sort of, you know, if I do get picked up by some podcast company, um, you know, I'm sure that they'll have a bunch of other cool places where I could stream said podcast. And also, if you guys don't know, I have a YouTube channel. I haven't really talked about that too much on the podcast. Um, I'm kind of just doing like, there's a couple gear demos, couple playthroughs, nothing too crazy right now, but I'm just trying to, you know, expand my online presence, 
you know, I know a lot of things with companies right now, especially since there's no touring going on, that they really want more online presence. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful to be a part of the companies that do endorse me. So I want to make sure that I'm keeping them happy as well. So you can go and check that out. Just look up Kyle Conkeel on YouTube. And also, I believe by the time that this podcast comes out, there is only a couple more days to secure your pre-order for the CyberConk 2020 t-shirt. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk about it, but, you know, it's your boy. I got to promote myself. Ain't no one else doing it. You know what I mean? I got to do it. I'm I'm trying to make a little bit of money. You know what I mean? So maybe I can afford the better audio recordings and whatnot. So, yes, kyleconkeel.bigcartel.com. So not only do I have the CyberConk 2020 t-shirt, but I also have the RIP t-shirt with the Monster logo, uh, the KK Metal logo t-shirt, and the Cafe Neon t-shirt. It's something, you know, a little bit more discreet other than having a huge logo on the front of your shirt. I also have 10 different pick designs that you can choose from. And, you know, if I'm going to say so myself, you want to get the Mega Pick Bundle. That is going to be the best bang for your buck when it comes to the Conky Picks. I'm also going to be releasing a fan-made pick in the next couple of weeks here. I had put up a poll on my Instagram where I had let you guys, the fans, the peeps, decide what pick would be in the next round of guitar picks. So, um, I had my buddy, uh, Nick, Nicholas Swartz. He designed one. And, uh, also this guy from Germany, uh, Janik Lucan, he designed a pick for me as well. And, uh, his design actually won. So I'll be making, I'll be making the Janik, Janik Lucan pick. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, German is not easy for me. So yeah, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the pick that they designed. I'm going to send it off to Intune, and I'm going to make sure that there's going to be a little spot that says who the pick was designed by. So it will say designed by Janik Lucan, and I'm going to send him a bunch of those picks, and I'm just going to send him a little care package for a thank you. So you can expect to see those up in the store within the next week or two. So yeah, just make sure, check out your boy's stuff. Everything I do is DIY, and uh, any little bit helps. Even if you just want one guitar pick, you know what I mean? You don't have to get the whole set. Just get one guitar pick. And all my orders are shipping with tracking now. I've stopped doing stamps.com mainly because their website crashed on me multiple times. So I've been using a different website, and uh, the tracking has actually worked out for me. I've been getting good discounted rates on shipping. So, yeah. Anyways, today on the podcast, I have my dear old friend, Dan Cleary. Uh, I met Dan Cleary back in 2010 or 2011. I was doing some work for the band Jane's Addiction. And uh, yeah, me and him are just, we're bass bros and we get down on all things alien, Bigfoot, video game related. I know in the last podcast, there was a lot of talk about video games, so, you know, there's going to be a little bit more video game talk on this one, but 
I really had a fun time doing this episode with uh, with Dan, especially figuring out that you can still have the same type of quality conversations with somebody on your computer as you would in person, because that was one thing I was really worried about. So I was glad to be able to kind of use um, use somebody I know and I know I can have a conversation with to try out a new medium for recording the podcast. So yeah. This is my conversation with the always awesome Dan Cleary. So I have one of my, Dan, I think we've known each other for 10 years now, because that's when I started at Mates, was 10 years ago. So he's guitar and bass tech extraordinaire, (laughs) baseball bat collector, and (laughs) uh, co-host of the Rare Form Radio podcast is my buddy, Dan Cleary. Dan, how are you, bud? I'm good, dude. How are you doing? Not too bad. Trying to keep busy. You know, it's a really weird time, you know, you being in the music industry as well. Uh, it's been a kind of a rough six months for me at least, but, uh, you know, why, what, what, what's been going on? Well, just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got me there. I sure did. Yeah. You got me there. Uh, what, what have you been doing to try to kind of, you know, keep yourself somewhat sane during these strange times? So at this recording, it's what, it's the beginning, beginning of September and we're like September 3rd, six months into the coronavirus thing which basically has killed our industry yeah like just goodbye like a coronavirus nirvana us as if we were skid row or something you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) that just laid waste to whatever we were doing um uh it's been weird but uh i've made the most of it i've been i like being home a lot anyway i really enjoy being home and Usually I'm home, I'm watching baseball or something, which has been a very weird year for baseball because it's a whole, it's a shortened season and there's no fans in the stands. Yeah, they got the cardboard cutouts. Actually, one of my buddies was on one of the cardboard cutouts. I thought it was pretty hilarious. It's pretty great. Yeah. So basically, you you pay them to put a picture of you on cardboard in the seats. At the end of the season, you get your own picture back. They send you your cardboard cutout. Oh, back. they will send you the cardboard yeah. cutout back. Okay, yep. yeah, that was that was going to be my next question because I yep. was like, yo, I heard it's like three hundred and fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I don't get my cardboard cutout, like that does not seem worth it to me. You got to like, get your cardboard. Yeah, you got to have the cardboard. I mean, who wouldn't want a cardboard cutout of themselves in their home? Exactly. You know, Getty Lee, uh, singer and bass player for Rush, is a huge baseball fan. 
and he's a Toronto Blue Jays guy. Mm-hmm. And on all the Blue Jays games, you can see Getty Lee right behind home plate in every game. <laughs> it's so I good. It's so cool. I bet. I bet that was actually a, a little more expensive than three hundred and fifty bucks. If Probably you want to be behind. But it's Getty Lee, you know. Right. True. And if you want to be on on camera all the time, you're going to pay a little bit more. But so I've been I've been watching baseball. I've been playing video games. I you know my wife and I we watched started the office from episode one and watched all seven seasons of the office you know a lot of tv a lot of movies a lot of video games well what games are you playing right now right now what what have you played over the the last six months so one cool thing is uh my childhood best friend lives in arizona and you know we we grew up playing video games together and it was awesome um but we kind of rediscovered uh grand theft auto 5 during all this so every night we get on maybe around like 10 30 11 and do co-op stuff play online with the headsets and do that for four or five hours a night for months on end and uh it was like it felt like being a kid again you know it felt like i was actually hanging out with my best friend again so it's one of the positives of this whole thing is getting kind of reacquainted with a lot of my you know old friends who i you know you have more reason now to to catch up with people and do Zoom conversations and FaceTime people for no reason because you know everybody's home. So you may as well just check in on people. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I, I know you're, you're always a busy guy, um, you know, out on the road with, you know, either Jane's or whoever you seem to be working for at that time. And yeah, like I've been trying to just kind of call my friends a lot more and, you know, do stuff. Oh, there's that famous coffee. Is that from Coffee Bean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Damn right. Every day. <laughs> Um, I've been trying to catch up with people because I'm the last two years I've been pretty much on tour, you know, if not in the U S in Europe or wherever. So now that I actually have time, one of the things I've been doing is calling and catching up with my friends that like, I realized I went and hung out with one of my buddies on 4th of July. You know, we had a, we had an anti 4th of July social distance party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and uh i hadn't seen him really like hung out like that in years yeah and i'm just like man i didn't realize like how much i actually missed this because you get so caught up in all of your own bullshit mm-hmm. that you don't you know that you don't kind of you know you kind of forget what it's like to hang out with someone you have a really good chemistry with you know oh yeah it, it can easily like you know uh, six months can go by in the blink of an eye and you haven't talked to like people you consider your best friends yeah. just because time gets away from all of us and the older you get, the faster it goes, which is so cliche, but it's so true. Yeah. And, and it, it's really cool because most of my friends, they're very understanding. They don't, you know, they don't get mad. They're like, oh, dude, you've been on tour. And then like the one thing and it, not that I would actually go out, but like when there wasn't coronavirus, I would always kind of do this thing. Like someone would, like I would just get home from a tour or someone invite me somewhere. And I'd always say like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I just need a few days to like chill out and crash. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. <laughs> when when we're actually able to tour again it's it's a whole lot of there's a whole new perspective of you know not taking things for granted and all that kind of stuff spending Uh, time with the people that you care about and sure you know have you had the thing happen where like you're on the road so much that people don't even invite you to things when you're home because they just think you're gone all the time yeah that's that's always the worst that's i mean luckily my my closer circle they you know I, I'm not going to text everybody my touring schedule, right. but you know, I'd be like, Oh, I'm home, you know, let's hang out if we can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's been times weddings, 
birthday parties stuff like oh i figured you need to be home like you didn't even ask if i was gonna be home listen if people can if i would love if everyone assumed i was on tour when they have a wedding that's the worst (laughs) thing for me to do i hate weddings i don't even remember the last wedding i went to and i it's funny because i got invited to two weddings on the same day early like in january uh i have uh our sound guy for bad wolves robbie brown is getting married on november 13th because it's Friday the 13th this year. And then my best friend, Kevin, is marrying his fiance Summer on November 13th. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I got invited to two weddings. Like, And then this stuff happens, and I'm like, on the same exact day, I was like, well, now they both are rescheduled. So at least now I'm, you know, I don't have to cancel one to do the other. Now, you know I'm going to put you on the spot. So let's say that everything was fine and both weddings were happening. Which one would you go to? I would, I would have gone to my best friend's house, uh, my, my best friend's wedding. So you hate your sound guy? No, I don't hate my sound guy, but I've known my friend Kevin. Why'd for... you wa- wait, wait, why'd you just wink when you said it? I didn't, I blinked. <laughs> no, you winked, dude. You hate your sound guy. <laughs> no, I, I saw don't. it, dude. No, Ev- I don't. Everyone listening, everyone listening, please know that Kyle hates his sound guy, okay? <laughs> I don't, I love him. Um, but, you know, I've known, I've known my best friend Kevin for 25 years, mm-hmm. I think. I'm maybe maybe 23, but somewhere in that ballpark of over 20 years. Right. So if I if I had to pick one, I mean, I would try to like do something crazy. Like you know, my sound guy lives in in Philly, so I could potentially be there for the ceremony in Philly, and try to fly back to LA, Ooh. and make like do some real do some real fucking MacGyver shit. That, that would be cool if Bed Wolves was making like private jet kind of money. You might be able to do it, but I feel like you guys aren't there yet at the moment. No, not, okay. not yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, as, as much as I am appreciative of, of how far I personally feel like I've come, you know, since I started touring 10 years ago to now, uh, yeah, we're definitely not making Metallica money. Mm-hmm. Is Metallica even still making Metallica money right now? Metallica... I feel like in a given day probably makes more money than my dad made his entire life just sitting at home. <laughs> I assume, right? Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know Chris Kanzi? Name sounds familiar. He's like the, one of the best production managers in the world. He does like Roger Waters, the wall and did nine inch nails for like six or seven years. Mm. <clears throat> he did Metallica for a while. And he told me that Metallica rolls with 96 trucks what because they have you know a rig and b rig and sometimes like a c rig so they're leapfrogging gear from city to city so they have like 96 trucks and like 50 or 60 buses hundreds of people in the touring crew that are like in different cities like they are a full-on corporation it's unbelievable so well, I guess that makes sense because I'm assuming that they they personally do not travel via bus. I'm assuming they probably fly to each show. Good question. I would think so. Um, that would make sense that they have you know so many different like literally they have A crew, B crew, and C crew because mm-hmm. um, it has all their gear, all their lighting, all their staging, all their sound um, duplicates, <laughs> duplicates of literally every single thing that they have and then they're like okay we're gonna play in los angeles today and then we're gonna play in miami florida tomorrow and then you know i mean obviously it's not gonna be that that spread out but it's like you want to play like you know la dallas you know seattle you know you have to have 
That's nuts. Yep. You could literally like you could literally throw a dartboard. Uh, you could literally throw a dart at a dartboard with like a number on it. Be like, oh, here's stop number one. Here's stop number two. Yep. And pick your tour and still have shows on those exact days. You wouldn't have to cancel because you have three different crews that have That's crazy. I had I had him uh, like run me through the financial breakdown of that band and how much they spend a day and how much they make a day. I'm not going to say it on here, but like it's staggering to think about like how much it costs to keep that kind of production going. Oh, I can imagine. And then you have to realize it's got to be worth it. So they must be making X amount to make yeah. it worth it. Just, well, yeah. If it, if, it, if it was even like putting a dent in probably what they were making, yeah. I don't think that they would do it because they'd be like, right. nah, that's not worth it. So they right. have to be making a certain amount of money because I can only imagine if you have 96 trucks, if you have 30 buses and you have over 100 people in your crew, <laughs> I'm assuming no one in that crew probably makes less than 1500 bucks a week. Probably. And full retainers and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I will definitely have to talk a little bit about that afterwards. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, they, they got to recoup all that Napster money, dude. <laughs> dude, Lars called it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people make fun of Lars about the whole Napster thing, but he, he really was just like, no, this is going to be how music is and you need to pay your artists if you're going to be, if you're going to be file sharing. Yep. Like that motherfucker should have started Spotify. <laughs> I know. Well, Spotify is, is pretty shitty to artists as well. They don't pay anything. You no. know, they, they, that's the whole streaming service is like so abusive to artists, really, if you break it down. Yeah. Apparently, Tidal is the okay. one that Jay Z owns. Okay. Uh, is a streaming service. And apparently, they pay actual, like, good residuals for their streams. Do you have any idea like what they get like per stream? Is it I'm like- not sure what the breakdown is, but I know it's a heck of a lot more than what Spotify is. Cause I think like what is like Billy Joel song or something that had like 550 million streams and he got like 5,000 bucks off of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still broken. It's still like uh, <clears throat> it's an industry that is always, you know uh, um, what's the word exploited artists, yeah. of course, but now like yeah. it seems like more than ever. Yeah. Well, because streaming is like they they kind of forced streaming upon everybody like i tried to i tried to buy a pixie song the other day um and i remember i had to go through all these different like routes to figure out how to get the mp actual mp3 because like you can't buy certain things on apple anymore because they want to they want to push you to apple music and then i was like i find i finally found it on google but it's like google doesn't have everything like the only places where you can actually get all this music to buy is either on like Apple, but sometimes you have to buy the full album, even if you just want one song oh, for fuck's sake yeah. or Google. Mm-hmm. But it really just depends on, on what you're looking for. Cause Google's not going to have everything for sale. So when, when Apple shut down iTunes, they basically made the MP3 like a thing of the past which is weird because sometimes I just, you know, I, sometimes I want MP3s. Sometimes I want to put music. Sometimes I want to do this. Sometimes I want to do that, but it, it it's almost impossible to get an MP3 nowadays. Yeah. If I'm going to be paying for something, like usually I want a thing. I want a physical thing. If it's not a CD, I want that MP3 living on my computer at all times. If I'm paying for it, yeah. you know? Well, and the thing with Spotify, and I'm not sure how exactly, um, 
title works this out, but I know if you pay for, um, if you pay for the premium Spotify, which I do because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm an idiot, but I really enjoy the offline thing. So it's like, if I, I pay my 14 fucking dollars a month, which I don't even think I get that from Spotify. <laughs> well, you definitely don't. <laughs> um, I pay them my $14 a month and I can download anything I want so I can listen to it offline. So which, for flights or for whatever you're doing. Yeah. Or- if I don't have service, at least, you know, like whatever playlist I've made that I'm like really into, I can make sure that I could still access that, that playlist or whatever right. album. Like, dude, I always have like hidden treasures by Megadeth. Like that, that's downloaded. I got to make sure I have that. <laughs> so that's like, that's your, that's the thing you must have at all times available to you. I got to have some Megadeth and I got to have some, some sort of eighties uh, like pop, like tears for fears or Huey Lewis in the news. Okay, I, w- I had an o- ongoing argument. I would love for you to ch- chime in. Yeah. I was on tour last year, and we had like a two or three week debate about the most quintessential 80s kind of pop song. And mm-hmm. I think I settled on Everybody Wants to Rule the World might be the, like the best, most iconic uh, snapshot of the 80s. Can you think of a better one? All right, so that's a that is a great one. I almost want to say like, and I mean, I could be this could be coming out of left field, but "Hungry Like the Wolf" Duran Duran. It's not bad. That's not bad. We also threw out the like like um, or um, Dire Straits video killed the radio or no 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 that's not Dire Straits. Um, no, um, it, who is that? Oh my god, yeah, I don't think that one. No, I could because when you hear that like those first notes of everybody wants to rule the world, you mm-hmm. know what's going on. I also threw in like uh, every breath you take the police. Yeah. Is like that's a good one. Perfect. Uh, safety dance in a weird way is one yeah. of them for me. Yeah. Or, or actually, no, I, I misspoke earlier. Um, the, the, I want my MTV by dire straits. I still don't think that's like quintessential. Like, well, that's why they make playlists of this stuff. Remember, like, mm-hmm. remember when uh, when you'd be like watching late night television, and they would have the commercials for, like, now this is eighties. Oh yeah, oh yeah. One, and I, had, I had like, them. Mr. I bought them, dude. Mr. Big Extreme. Mm-hmm. It had like there was the eighties hair metal bands, and then there was like, oh, here's the now this is eighties ballads volume yep. three. I had all of it. <laughs> who, um, who, what, I have a whole list here of of my favorite 80s songs like 99 Luff Balloons could be in there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you forget about me, Breakfast Club? Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Um Shout Down Under, Maneater. Uh-huh. There's so many fucking great 80s songs. What about what about the Pixies, Where's My Mind? Not 80s, cuz that's that's more like that's But that came out in 88. It does, but like that's like saying Pretty Hate Machine is 80s music. It's not. Like, you know, <laughs> Um, you're, you're talking about strictly injustice for 40. all injustice for all came out in the eighties. It's not eighties <laughs> music. I'm talking like that pop, like a sound that is 80s so specifically eighties. Yeah. It's actually really funny um, that you bring that up because for the last, I'm, I'm not going to like exaggerate literally for the last week. So side sidetrack here for a second. Yeah. So please. last month I started really getting into what what they're calling i guess is either synth wave or new retro wave or outrun or oh yeah 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 and uh so a few days ago i discovered this song 
um, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. And uh, I've, for the last week, I've been writing like synthwave shit because I was like, I don't know what it is about 80s music, the synthesizers, like everything. I, I love it. So I have like 10 synthwave songs. And uh, I'm actually getting together with like a producer and like a, and um, my old singer, Kalen, he's an amazing singer and vocal coach. Mm-hmm. So he's going to help me kind of refine my vocals and he's going to help me write lyrics and me- me- melodies. Love it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've had a music partner for the last like six, seven months. And that's kind of our focus too, is like that we're, we're trying to get into like film scoring and commercial scoring or podcast scoring. And it's a very like John Carpenter mm-hmm. kind of approach that we're doing too. It's fun. It's just like, it's something I think people in our age group too. How old are you? You're early thirties or mid thirties? Mid thirties. Yeah. I'll be 34 okay. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm 40. So like kind of people in our age grew up with those kind of movies and those sounds and yeah. like the Halloweens and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, it's ingrained in us to love that boom sound of a yeah. synth. You know? Yeah. And basically my, my whole goal is I'm actually like accentuating the pop side of it because mm-hmm. as a metal musician, I think I've kind of like, like tried to push that away from my image or songwriting for so long, but I really fucking love pop. Like I love it. Like the older I get, the more I love pop. Sure. And I mean, it could be old pop. It could be new pop. Like, Yo, when like Billie Eilish came out, I was all about that. Oh, that's that's how I feel about like Lana Del Rey. I love that kind of shit. I love I love Paramore. Like I like uh, one of my like um, a band that is my kind of guilty pleasure. And you may know these guys. You may know. I don't know. I don't know. But I fucking love Fall Out Boy. I think that they have the best hooks I've heard. I, I their newer shit I'm not really into, but those first couple records. They're like yeah. melody maestros. You yeah. know what I mean? Like earworms, hooks. You know, I, I love hooks. Well, and that's kind of why I decided to work with songwriters and producers to do my own shit. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't, I, I would like to think I'm not uh, a big narcissist that's like, no, I'm going to write these game changing hits all by myself and it'll yeah. be all mine. No, right. I'm, 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 I'm realistic in the fact that like, if you look at some of the biggest pop songs, even in the eighties, you know, unless you're like Prince, you know, yeah. but if you look at the song credits for all those pop songs, it's like, you know, there's like three, four, sometimes five writers, mm-hmm. you know, and that could be with lyric changes. It could be with, you know, song arrangements with hooks so i know like when it comes to pop it kind of takes a village so that's what i'm trying to like i have 10 basic ideas and i'm going to bring them into uh into this studio with with this producer that i'm going to be working for i don't want to say his name just because i don't know if we're going to end up working together or not yet but uh, I'm just going to see what can kind of sprout like, oh, hey, maybe, you know, the good, the first part of this baseline is super cool, but like, let's add something different or, hey, this hook is really cool, but maybe we can add like a minor third or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe go up a half step or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to try and see, you know, and I'm going to try to do it as independently as I can. And just, I want to make music for like, like the vision I have in my head is like, <laughs> it's so lame, like, like driving 
out to like Las Vegas with like the convertible. Dude, with, okay, with the- stop, stop. I that has been my barometer for good music my whole life. Is is it? Can I listen to this in the dark driving to Vegas? That's no what joke. It is. That is my focus for music. Neon what, signs moving by in the <laughs> in I the background. Believe, I really can't believe you just said that because literally that's what I say all the time. I'm like, this would be such a good driving to Vegas record. I don't yeah. even like Vegas, but the idea of driving to Vegas. Well, it's at because night, it's so. It's like especially driving to Vegas at night. Yeah. It's literally if you there are certain parts of the 15 North where if you get stuck there. You have no cell phone service. You're dead. You're fucking dead. Yeah. You're going to die there. Yeah. yeah. Like the, this is my life now. I'm yep. going to end, I'm going to end my life in the middle of the fucking yep. desert. Yeah. All because I wanted to listen to this goddamn record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason you drive to Vegas. Like, all right, I made it to Vegas. Oh, oh, well. Looks like it's time to go home. Hope the yep. second album is just as good. Yep. But yeah, so that's, that's so kind funny. of been my, that's, that's kind of been like my idea of like, because there are certain songs that like when I get a song hooked into my head, I will play it 100 times. I can't okay. think of anything Dude, else. Once again, once again, I got, I'll get a song and I, no joke. I will like go sit on my front steps at night, two in the morning and listen to it 30 times in a row yeah. over and over and over again. More recently, I've only been able to do that with, I want to say maybe three or four songs. Okay. So the first time that that earworm like really got me uh, more recently was probably when uh, Rammstein released uh, Deutschland. Okay. I don't know why, but like that song, it just like struck a nerve and I could not stop listening to it. Like my ex who I was with at the time was like, you need to stop playing that song. Yeah. I'm like, no, I cannot stop playing that song because if it's ever- my favorite song. <laughs> If I ever get divorced, it's going to be because I wander around the house and sing one line of a song over and over and over and over for like a week straight. Yeah. And my, my wife would be like, please, just a, a different fucking line, any different line, just not that line. Or I just, I get, it gets stuck in me. You know, it's like, yeah. a, it's like <laughs> autism brain. I just get fixated on one thing. Dude, and it, well, I, I think it's because, I don't know for you, but it's when... Like, there's a certain lyric, like, re- like right now I'm doing that too, The weekend's Blinding Light. It is literally the epitome of the, in my opinion, the most perfect pop synthwave song. I'm going to add it right now. Do it. Seriously. What's it um, called? Song? It's called Blinding Light. It's by okay. The Weekend, but Got there's it. no E at the end of an end. I'm, dude, I know who The Weekend is. Okay, well, I'm not sure. Sake, dude. You're like You're like a punk rock dude. No, I'm not. Don't call me that. I don't don't put me in a box, dude. All right, that's fair enough. I, I, I guess. come on, I come on your podcast and you put me in a little box. All right, that is fair because that that would just be like me walking around and be like, oh, that's a metal dude right there. Right. I mean, they're not wrong, but I'm much more than just... Kyle is just just this guy that just hates his sound guy with a passion, <laughs> and that's all he is. <laughs> he, he's just a... Robbie Brown. If you're listening, I love you, and you know it because you I'm winked your again. Dad. He just winked again, Robbie. <laughs> if you're listening, every time he says he loves you, he winks at me. <laughs> but so there's this line in that in that in that song by the weekend. It's like the second verse, and the, for some reason, the second verse is literally like four bars, and I love it. Mm-hmm. The first verse is like a good eight bars, 
And then when they come back after the chorus, it's like four bars. I'm just like shorter verse. He's like, I don't need this verse. Just bring back that fucking that catchy chorus. You know what See, I mean? That's a, that's a good trick because they build it up. They build mm-hmm. up a verse. I mean, there's, I know people in the, in the music industry know this. There's like an art to writing a song, obviously. Yeah. But to people that have never written a song, it's not as simple as like, oh, here's the parts that's recorded. There it is. Fine. You have to plan like, how do you want people to interpret this song? Like, yeah. so you're talking about this song a four bar first verse and then a banging chorus people love the chorus and now he knows people are going to love this chorus we should give it to him again real soon so cut the second verse in half and then boom there it is again and you know there's an art to it yeah but for some reason the lyrics in that second verse uh I, i think it's like um I can't remember exactly, but it's like, you know, something like uh, the sun's lighting up the sky. So I hit the road in overdrive. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. You hit that road in overdrive. Vegas, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the video is actually pretty dope, too. I wish you would have used like an 80s car, but like, I guess he had sponsorship with uh, Mercedes. So they used like an AMG. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, yo, if that could have been like an old, like 80s, like a uh, Ferrari Testarossa, yep. like yep. top down, like that would have been yep. perfect. Um, are you a, are you a European car guy? It honestly, it really depends on what generation we're talking about. Um, if I go more modern, I'm super into Teslas right now. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, of course. Um, they're just literally like BMW used to be called like the what is it the best driving machine on the on the road. Now that's Tesla. Like one of my buddies, Mike, has a Tesla and. He has the X, the SUV, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm in a goddamn spacecraft yeah. anytime I get into that thing, watching this thing drive by itself. Big ass fucking tablet that's your display that literally has everything. It's like your ecosystem inside the car. And so right now, Teslas. I would love a Tesla. A little too have out you, of my price range. Have you driven one yourself? Uh, no, I have not. I've been in one one time and it was a self-driver. I've never driven one. I would love to, but yeah, they're not, I mean, there's some that are pretty affordable as far as new cars go, but but like if you want the auto drive feature, which will like come get you if you park in a parking spot and you're like, Oh, I don't know where my car is. Press the little key fob. It will back out of the parking spot and come where the key fob is. Yeah. They They have that now. Yeah. Oh my God. The future's here, dude. The future is here. It's not flying cars. It's automated cars. When we were kids, like the, like in my mind of the future was like, if I could hold something in my hand and see my friends on it, that's the future. And cars that drive themselves or fly. We're yeah. here. I mean, every, Dude, I got an here. Apple watch. Uh-huh. Dude, I got an Apple watch and like, I put that bitch in my pocket and like, I can fucking FaceTime motherfuckers like James Bond on my wrist. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. The future is here. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not what I expected being yeah. an '80s kid. Yeah. Well, I guess technically I'm a '90s kid because I was only alive for four years in the '80s, but mm-hmm. I still have a, this weird obsession with that with that decade. But so, what would be your favorite favorite car? I'm talking about right now, and then we can like back up and see well, where like right now I have on reserve the new 2021 Ford Bronco. Oh, yeah. Hell so yeah. I have that. I have one reserved. So when I was a kid, my, my first two vehicles were 79 Ford Broncos. Were they the K2s? What's that? 
K2 Bronco or maybe I miss or maybe I'm K2. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is. No. They, they were like the four wheel, the big four wheel oh, drive. You're thinking of a blazer. I am thinking of Chevy a blazer. blazer. See? K2 blazer. Yep. You know more about cars than I do. Um, I, I'm all like, I, I loved Broncos as a kid. I had two of them in high school and the last year Broncos were made were in 1996 and that's when I was 16. So I just got my license. So mm-hmm. in my, like, obviously you can't have a new car when you're 16, unless you're rich. I was not even close to rich. Yeah. So it's been my dream. My whole life was to have a brand new Ford Bronco. So and for they 24 just, years you've, you've wanted. Right. But they discontinued it. So I only found out maybe three or four years ago, they were bringing it back and I've been waiting patiently for three or four years. I'm on Bronco forums. Like we've been talking about it for three years before we even knew what it looked like. And so uh, they finally revealed it in June and I put a hundred dollar reservation down. I get to order it in December and I'll have it in like March, April, May of 2021. But like, oh, that's dope. It's full on for me, like dream come true type stuff. And it's yeah. just a car, but like the fact that I'm a grown man and I've had a career where I'm able to like, get myself a new car and something that I've wanted since for, for at that point, it'll be 25 years. I'll be waiting yeah. for it. Uh, so that's probably my dream car right now. Um, what else? Um, I love old Mustangs, like 70, like 69, 70 Mustangs. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, are you more of the, the fastback guy? Yes. hundred percent. Okay. So I was actually having this conversation with, uh, with one of my buddies earlier because He's like, okay, 69 Mustang Fastback, like the Boss 302 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. like, he's like that. He's like, he's like, other than that, Mustangs are fucking chick cars, dude. They're, they're like, you just see like some blonde girl riding around in a soft top red Mustang going down the beach, like 1960. Right. It's 1965 right. Mustang. Yeah. But I'm like, yo, what about like seven? I can't remember if it was like 70 or 71 where you had like, the the it was fastback but they had just changed the body style of the yeah, mustang 70, 71 yeah i was Gross. like yo i love that oh I love Kyle, that boss no, no, that no, boss no. that boss no. it looks I love like a, it it looks like a goddamn banana <laughs> that i want it yellow too oh god dude i don't know what it is like it's like they were trying to be futuristic with those body styles but like they just weren't quite there because i mean dude look at the cars of the 80s like really the only acceptable cars from the 80s were like the lamborghini countach yeah if we're talking about sporty sporty cars lamborghini countach which is literally almost impossible to drive you can't see out of the rearview mirror and it just smells like gasoline <laughs> the entire right, time right the windows don't even really roll down and then you have the the lamborghini diablo i was gonna say diablo is my choice diablo but there's one thing i've always wanted to do and i'm not gonna go like crazy with it but I've always wanted a, De- a DeLorean. Now, I wanted to put a Chevy LT1 or LS1 in there instead of that shitty fucking DeLorean motor. Mm-hmm. And because the with how big that that how much room you have in the hood, you could eat. Uh, like I've heard of dudes putting LS1s in like all the time. In that DeLoreans. would be fun. That would be fun because it looks cool. Yep. But it's just kind of a. Did you know you can actually get one? 
brand new from 1983 because when uh, uh, 85 I think because when John DeLorean got arrested someone bought his warehouse that had all the DeLorean parts in it and now there's actually DeLorean Motor Company there's one in Orange County there's one in Texas and there's one in Miami are you shitting me they're like 50 grand you can get a brand new DeLorean Uh, that's actually not that bad well, I mean, it's new from ni- It's from the mid mid eighties. That's the same, you know? but that, like, you might spend that, you know, restoring one anyway. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Do you know how you clean a DeLorean? With uh, what's the what's the scrubby Steel stuff? Wool. Steel, Steel wool. Steel wool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> well, uh, you figure if you because if you wash it too much, it's gonna get rusty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like- a good rain car. Not a good car for Portland, Oregon. <laughs> no yeah. not at all no but i was also looking into things because uh there's like this whole delorean that has nothing to do with back to the future there's this whole delorean like group that i follow on instagram or facebook or something and uh, this guy got a delorean i think he got it brand new from the factory in orange county and he actually put a black vinyl wrap over over the car so it's oh, still cool. So it looks like a DeLorean, but you won't really have the problems of the rust like a DeLorean. Mm-hmm. And it's black. Is it matte black? Yeah, it is matte black. I imagine matte black will look pretty cool on a DeLorean. Yeah. So I was like, yo, I, I really want to steal that idea. Yeah. Because if you get, because there's places up in like Santa Clarita that are like these exotic vinyl car wrapping places that have like the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and the McLarens out front that they've all wrapped up. They're like, they do a good job. I don't know exactly how long that lasts or if it's like a really hot, humid day in LA, will it start to peel? Like, I don't know how that works. I've been researching because I actually think I'm going to wrap the Bronco because my, the two Broncos I had were dark green and there's no green option for the new Bronco. So I might yeah. have to get it wrapped and uh, it's as good as a paint job. I mean, it, it, it protects your paint underneath so if you ever wanted to sell it 10 years later, you, you peel the wrap off and, it, and the paint is brand new. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to be off-roading, which I'll be doing, like it keeps things from being scratched. It doesn't mm-hmm. rip very easily. Yeah. Um, and I guess it does not bubble up in the sun. So oh, it, that's good. It, I mean, if a good place, I assume. But they're, they're meant to last for, for quite a long time. Damn. That, yeah. Well, you kind of solidified it. You know, my birthday's coming up, and if anybody's listening and they want to buy me a new DeLorean that I could wrap in matte black, uh, I would appreciate it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> buy, everyone, don't be, don't be stingy. Buy Kyle a fucking DeLorean, you jerks. <laughs> so what, is, what would be your, like, holy grail vehicle then? Uh, 1970 Boss 429. Okay. okay. Or, or 428 Cobra Jet. But probably the Boss 429 because it's so rare. And it's just the mean, I think it's the meanest looking muscle car of the 60s and 70s. Uh, well, that's, that's the one where if you can find one, they're like 500 grand, aren't they? Something like that. I mean, they've, they've, it, the price has gotten crazy. I remember like when I was in high school in the you know, mid 90s, like a Boss 302 was like 30 grand. Yeah. Now it's like, it's easily over 100 for a nice one now. Yeah. Um, Those, I mean, that car is just so dope though. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so that might be my holy grail of like old time cars. Like if you won the lottery um, tomorrow, what what would be in your garage? I'm talking, I'm talking not just like a little lottery, like you won like 500 million bucks. What would be in your garage? Oh, there'd be a lot of stuff. There'd be a, a 70 Boss 429. I'd probably restore like an actual 79 Bronco. I'd get one of the old, you know, the first edition, like little Broncos. Mm-hmm. I'd have a new Tesla. Um, 
Um, I'd have a Ford Raptor pickup truck. Oh God. So there was, there was a guy in a band. I don't want to say it just cause I don't, I don't like name dropping and I don't want people to know, know my business, but I was at, I was at one of the studios where you store your gear. I won't say which one. And uh, I was driving a little Ford, uh, a little Ford Ranger at the time. And this well-known bass player drives up and parks next to my truck. And uh, I'm a fan of this guy. And you know me, I'm pretty discreet when it comes to meeting people who are of higher profile. So, uh, you know, I say, hey, how's it going, man? How's it going? And, you know, I help him with whatever stuff. And I was just like, hey, can you do me a big favor, man? He's like, yeah. I was like, can you make sure that your truck doesn't eat my truck? <laughs> he didn't, he didn't think it was very funny, but really? Yeah. Oh, so it must not be who I think it is. Does this person also have a Mustang? Uh, I don't know. I've only ever seen him in trucks, but he really loves rush and bicycling in the mountains. Oh, man. My, my first guess was going to be Duff, but Duff. No, no, it wasn't Duff. Duff would never not be anything but incredibly cool to everybody. I, I've never spoken a word to Duff. Uh, you haven't? No, I'm, dude, you know, I try not to like include myself, you know, oh, like, man. Just because I don't like, I don't, I, the, the last thing I want to do, I've trained some guys who have, who have like, yo, you cannot do that. <laughs> I understand that too. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to, I've known Duff for a long time and he's truly just one of my favorite people I've met in the business. Like he was, uh, when I first met him, uh, I was in a band in the early 2000s called the Bad Apples in, uh, in LA. And we had a manager who was, uh, in with the GNR guys and because uh, he was in the band, but I hate this dude now. So I don't, I don't want to talk about him, but um, he brought me, he brought us to like meet Duff and Slash and everything. And I was talking to Duff just about like his bass sound for Appetite. I mean, you, you being a bass oh. player, you know, that Duff has a very unique bass sound Yeah, where you, you can hear it. It's like Ozzy's voice. You can tell mm -hmm. it a million miles away. So I, I was talking to Duff and he was super cool. And I was like, you know, we're about to record some stuff. How did you get your, like that bass tone and appetite? Cause that's what I want to use. And he's like, well, you know, I have this Galleon Kruger head that, yeah, uh, you know what? Just take the one I used for appetite. It's right here. And I was like, <laughs> what? No, he, he literally just met me. And he goes, yeah, I'll have McBob, my tech uh, come by and McBob. I love uh, McBob. He's one of the best ever. He's the McBob is Duff's bass tech. who has been with him since, since day one, I think. Yeah, him and Tom um, Mayhew have been around. Yep. <clears throat> so literally, the, the day Duff met me, he handed over his bass rig he recorded Appetite with. Just the RV800? I think that's what, yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah. And McBob, like he goes, well, here you go, let me dial in the settings for you. Here it is right there. All right, have fun. And like, I had the Duff bass tone for, for my, the first record I recorded on. Damn. And like, that's the kind of dude he is. That's you know? awesome. And then when I was working with Jane's Addiction, um, Duff was in the band for like six or seven months. He joined to work on a record. And uh, he knew that I was a decent bass player. And he'd come in for rehearsals. And he pulled me aside one day. And he goes, listen, I know that you know all these bass lines back to front. Like, would you mind like sitting, coming in early and teaching me these bass songs, these songs on bass? Oh, shit. And like, if you told... 10 year old Dan that someday he that I'd be teaching Duff McKagan Jane's addiction baselines I would have shit myself but that's what happened and he's the guy he wasn't like too proud to say like hey you know 
can you give me a hand with this? He's just like, yeah. hey, I know you know it. Help me out. And it was amazing. He's just, him and I have a connection too on sports stuff. So whenever Seattle teams are doing well, I'll give him a phone call or text him and he'll text me every time the Patriots win the Super Bowl or something. But he's one of my favorites. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I, I didn't know that you, um, that you actually, you actually use the Appetite Amp on. Oh, the, dude. That's oh, yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the record never came out, but I still I got to use it. I have pictures with it, holding the Appetite record, and mm. it was cool. It was Actually, cool. Uh, I, I've, I've, the, one, the one super cool thing, and again, I, I won't say who it is just because, you know, I don't, I don't want people to get too crazy about it, but uh, I actually have a picture with one of the most legendary rock and metal guitars of all time. Tina Turner. Yes. <laughs> Not the guitarist, but oh, the actual oh. guitar that this person modded themselves. Hmm. Do I know what it is? Yeah, you know what it is. Is it? Can I say? <laughs> Go ahead, guess. Is it Slash's Appetite guitar? The no, one? No, it has nothing oh, okay. to do with GNR. Okay, okay. It's a famous guitar. Before that. Oh. Before GNR. Oh. Oh. Let's just say they have a record called 1985. Oh shit! The Frankenstrat. <laughs> you, you've you've held the actual one. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's dope. amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, they they told me I wasn't allowed to I wasn't allowed to post a picture of it, and it just sits in like my fucking computer. Yep, that that's fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. Like, um, I found a couple of those moments too of like holding guitars that like if people know about it, you know how special. This certain instrument is you know yeah like well, duff's bass he used for 100 years for gnr and like some really famous guitars and billy gibbons has brought some stuff around before where you're like wait this is this is the one you know my, my friend has the acoustic guitar that uh keith richards wrote wild horses on jesus christ it's you know? so funny how like one thing like it could be <laughs> any one of these little bastards behind me that like they're like oh you know that could be like oh that wrote that Right. Or right. that played on that. Yeah. Like uh, I was helping, you know, some, uh, something Richard, he works for a band called Yes. And uh, I remember he opened up the guitar vault. This was, this was way prior to uh, Chris Squire passing. And he goes, you want to see something fucking cool? And I was like, I was like, yeah. He's like, wait, you like Yes, right? I was like, yeah, I like Yes. And he's like, all right. It opens up the fucking guitar vault and he pulls out that the Rickenbacker, like, Whoa. The one that that Chris Squire like put like wallpaper on, and then they shaved off, and like the the bridge pickup didn't work prop like what how it was supposed to, and that's how he got the tone for you know shit like Roundabout and all that amazing. stuff. Amazing, and I was like, I was like, yo, I was like, this is fucking yes, this bass tone right here. Yep, that's that's insane. And then he showed me the the triple neck wall, like. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. man. Like all, I mean, all, I've been very fortunate to, you know, that I've been able to build a rapport with certain, certain clients that I've worked with that I like, you know, they're like, Oh, you want to see something fucking cool, buddy? <laughs> Listen, I'm a guitar tech. So I know like it's our job to show people the cool shit because yeah. the artists don't think about it and they don't, they don't, they don't really care as much as like we do and, and like fans do. Mm -hmm. So there's been plenty of times where someone's asked me to like, Hey, do you have that thing from uh, that thing? Like, you mean this right here? Like, yes. Can I get a picture with it? Of course you can. You know, it's fun. It's fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I've been, I've, I've been lucky 
you know, to experience some of the, probably the most influential <clears throat> instruments of ever, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not like a, a Stradivarius violin or anything like that, but you know, I've, I've held Getty Lee's 71 jazz bass yep. that he That's played cool. Tom Sawyer on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Does that go on the road or did it go on the road with them up yeah. until recently? Uh, yeah. R40. They, dude, uh, it was my job cause I'd hurt my back previously. So it was my job to close the studio. Um, and they were rehearsing at my work. And, um, I remember I had to go in one night. It was probably, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock at night. And, uh, I'm supposed to turn off the air conditioners. I'm supposed to clean up, take the trash out, you know, turn off all the lights, you know, everything to, and, and lock the door behind me. And I remember I went in there the first night and there's like two drum kits. Like there's literally like 30 guitars on Alex's side. There's 40 basses, literally every bass that like Getty was ever seen with ever is like in that room. And it's like, you know, the wall from like the, you know, the, the hold your fire days, you know, the Rickenbacker, uh, 4001, the multiple Rickenbackers, the double neck Rickenbacker, like they were used for like Xanadu, you know, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, there's like, yeah. there's more history in this room. Yep. And I, I just, it was, it was really, really fucking cool just because I was a, I was a big rush. I mean, I still am a big rush fan, but like just mm-hmm. to see like, like, yo, he played this on fucking this, you right. know? And I'm like, it's right, right there. That's that's the one. Yeah, it's cool <laughs> that's shit. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun to still after all these years be able to find to get excited about that kind of stuff. You know, I I don't get too excited about like watching bands play much anymore. Like my yeah. my my love of live music has kind of died a bit since you know touring for the last fifteen years. Yeah. But when when you get your hands on something like that, you can't help but kind of geek out a little bit. Yeah, and and uh, and depending on like you said like where or what the artist like not like directly has done for you but there's like you know there's there's a there's a couple things that i'll never forget about when rehearsed when uh, when rush rehearsed at my work um it's funny because everyone everyone has always told me that like oh getty and alex like they're the life of the party they're the they're the socialites i had so many fucking conversations with neil pert I had yep. so many, like, because I was the guy watching, watching the studio. I remember um, I was outside smoking um, and just sitting there at the bench. And I knew that the seat that I was in is where Neil liked to sit. So I got up, you know, I, I was, I didn't want to bother anybody. And so he's like, no, 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 sit down. I was like, well, I'm smoking. And he's like, well, what do you think I'm coming out here to do? Right, right. And uh, the past couple of days, like, I would see him come in and he would like would drive like, you know, uh, Aston, he was really into Aston Martins. And uh, he had like, I think like a DB nine and a DB one. Like he had a bunch of different um, Aston Martins or he would drive his BMW touring bike. And I remember saying something. I'm like, well, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm really digging your Aston Martins. And he's like, well, you know, there's like a certain prestige that comes with driving an Aston Martin. He's like, you don't see a guy running a red light in an, in an Aston Martin. He's like, you don't see a guy peeling out in an Aston Martin. He's just like, it's just a little bit more um, uh, regal. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, I get it. You know, because people drive Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches, you know, they drive like shit for the most part. Right. You know, and uh, showy. Yeah. yeah. Very, very, very showy. And, uh, 
he looks over at me and he goes, do you know what the difference is between a porcupine and a Porsche? And I said, uh, what's the difference? And he goes, on the porcupine, the prick's on the outside. Ah, I like that a lot. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yo, I got Neil Pert telling me dad jokes over That's here. That's really good. And That's uh, really good. Yeah, he gave me a cigarette because I was like, oh, are those Demoriers? He's like, yeah, I got them imported from Canada. And I was like, oh, that's my favorite cigarette. Can I have one? Goes, yeah, sure. Sometimes it's so funny how true it is that Canadians are just the nicest people in the world. Dude, I was talking about Canadians on one of my other podcasts. And like, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty cool with a couple of the guys from Nickelback and the Three Days Grace. And I'm just like, they're literally like, the best dudes on the planet. Like, I don't care if you like their music or not, but it's like, dude, Mike Kruger from Nickelback is one of my favorite people on the planet. He's okay. a dope bass player. He's got a yep. dope fucking dude. He's got a, he's got like a 1986, like fucking wall MK one, five string, a, like a 87 wall MK two, four string. Like dude, his fucking bass collection is like, to be envious of like ah uh, listen i could never envy a five-string bass but do you, you, know, <laughs> you, do you. well but he's got like sadowski's walls mm-hmm. custom like one-off warwicks yeah you know i mean i know you're more of like a, but you do he's got a really sick fucking 63 p bass too yeah you know? just give me a fender p bass uh it could be made yesterday and i'm stoked <laughs> you know i got i got one p bass and it's actually my probably one of my favorite p bases i've ever played that's like not impossible to get Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a newer it's from this company in canada called prestige guitars okay uh so eric bass from shinedown it's his signature bass and i was looking for a p bass and uh his tech hoogie was like, uh, man, I really want to like a P bass. He's like, dude, try out one of Eric's. I'm like, all right, cool. So I looked up. I'm like, wow, that's a really fucking nice bass. You know, played it at Nam, and um, and I remember I was like, I text Eric. I was like, hey, dude, can you get me in contact with your guys at Prestige? I want to buy one of your one of your your signature basses. And then I get a fucking text from Hookie. He's like, where the fuck am I sending this thing? <laughs> and nice. they were like, they were super adamant that they send it to me on the road. Oh, really? Yeah, so it met me in Kentucky, and I remember uh, it was it was tuned exactly how I wanted it to be tuned, and I played it for one song, and you know I made sure they had to have some pictures taken with it, like on stage and shit, so I could send it to Prestige and Hoogie and mm-hmm. and uh, like, dude, this is a beefy fucking P bass, man. You'll have to check it out one day because it's just like it's weird. It's got like the the straight like the fifty nine style like the 50 style one pick p bass pickup oh weird and it's a seymour i think it's a seymour duncan uh quarter pound okay but it's like it's a modded quarter pound okay so i think it's got more wraps in the poles or something but it's super beefy low end it's really punchy mid-range yep but real like and pretty clear like high end but it still sounds like a p bass oh nice okay yeah, I like a good P bass that cuts through. Yeah. I like a nice, a nice mid, like a, like the Mike Durant bass tone is one of my favorite bass tones. Dude, I cannot ever stop talking about like how fucking good Mike Durant's tone is. Yeah, how great of a bass player he is. Like, dude, like Dookie is literally the record oh, that dude. made me want to be a musician. He's, he is a, a tragically underrated bass player in like 
social conversations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think people that are Green Day fans know he's amazing. And a lot of bass players know he's great. But he's never, like, his name is never thrown out there as one of, like, the guys. I throw it out there. I throw it but out there as much me, as I can. I, I'm a full-on. I'm an Eric Avery, Mike Durnt. Uh, Matt Freeman. Jason, Jason Black from Hot Water Music is one of my favorite bass players ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever listen to that dude? Yeah. He, uh, it's, he, his tone is great, and you can tell he's playing a uh, uh, Music Man Stingray. It's a very yeah. specific sound on records. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, what's the guy from Fugazi? Uh, Joe Lally, right? Mm-hmm. Is that who that is? But like those kind of guys. But Mike Dern is just one what of those about Matt dudes. Freeman? Is that Rancid? Yeah. I'm not, I never really listened to Rancid. I, don't actually, I actually don't know. Outcome the Wolves has some of the best punk rock bass lines ever. Okay, okay. And I honestly, I'm not a big Rancid fan, but I listened to that record for Matt Freeman. For that. Yeah. I do remember that I was working on some music once for a a record I was doing. And the producer was like, we have to get you the Outcome the Wolves bass tone. I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay, go for it. So apparently that bass tone is a very loved bass tone. Oh, it's it's amazing. That bass tone almost made me... Uh, well, his bass, bass tone and uh, Mike Durant's bass tone, I almost bought the Fender Super Bassman mm-hmm. stack. But then I realized oh, wow. that I hated yeah. neodymium pickups. <laughs> or uh, 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 speakers. I don't even know what that means, dude. They're, so ne- the neodymium pickups, they're super lightweight. It makes it so your fridge isn't fucking 800 pounds. Oh, okay. Eight okay. by ten cab. Yep. So it makes the magnets a lot lighter. Got it. But what you lose when you use neodymium magnets is a hell of a lot of everything between twenty and one hundred and twenty hertz. Okay. And that's where all my low end loves to live. Okay. Is that why the new Fender uh, base base uh, base cabinets are so light? Yeah, it's because they're oh, using I'm... light lightweight magnets. Oh, I love it. Being a tech and being someone who handles that shit, I could mm-hmm. not be happier about it. Oh no, I'm sure. I and love dude, it. If you're not, if you're, if you're tuning between standard tuning and detuning, neodymium speakers are fine. You won't yep. lose that low end. But once yep. you get to like when you can start rattling shit when you tune to like drop C or like mm-hmm. me, most of my shits in G, mm-hmm. it can't. Those speakers can't handle the low end that I need to reproduce live. I mean, dude, I don't honestly, I don't even use fucking cabinets anymore. Really? Yeah. What are you, well, are you uh Kempers? Are you just on ears or what are you doing? Well, I'm going to be doing some experimenting here in the next few months since I'm probably not going to be touring for a year if I'm lucky. Probably. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm going to check out the neural DSP quad cortex, which is supposed to be the most powerful modeling product on the market when it comes out. And then I'm going to, fuck around with the uh fractal audio axe fx3 because apparently it's waves different and better than the last two that they came out with okay so uh i was fortunate enough to work with devin townsend earlier this year uh i did uh 70 tons of metal with him and uh i'm not a big axe fx guy i preferred how the kemper sounded when it comes to modeling amplifiers but uh our, st- our our second guitar player, Wes Hauk, was using a Kemper and uh, Devin was using the Axe FX3. And I was, I was blown away by how the Axe FX3 sounded. I was like, oh, this is where we're at now. Mm, They've kind mm-hmm. of figured out how to mimic the sound of speakers pushing air. Because that's the one thing that I've, you know, with bass, 
you can kind of get away with everything. For a while, I was just using a pedal into a speaker simulator. And like, that's how I got my tone. Everyone's like, dude, your live tone is like crushing. And I'm just like, it's literally two things. It's direct, yeah. You know, you, you can get away with a lot more on bass, but how how good the guitar tone sounded with that Axe FX3, I was just like, Jesus. So I was like, all right, I think I'm gonna have to try this out for bass because I do kind of like a, <clears throat> a multi-band style distortion. So I have a, I have a, a distorted mid-range and high-range, but I have a, a clean... Uh, clean subby low end mm, mm-hmm. so that way you can distort your signal a little bit more and you won't lose actually you can distort as much as you want you're not going to lose any low end oh that's cool that, yeah. that's that's been the problem with uh we're getting really nerdy but that's the problem with bass distortion forever is like the dirtier the dirtier you get the more low you you lose this is this is something this is something you need to get my friend this is the dark glass microtubes x7 oh. I think I remember when you got that. I think you might have shown me that at, at your work or something. Or you told me about it sometime. Yep. Yeah, but this is like, you know, you have a low comp, low level, high level, high drive, and you have uh, low pass filters, high pass filters. So you can really, like, if you want, like, a, like and, it, and it, it, there is no, like, clean. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, soft grit to, like, fucking kick got your it. ass distortion. All right. But if you want something to be distorted you can use that or you can use the doug pinnock pedal uh i find with the doug pinnock pedal there's like this really hissy like 10k up in the 10k region that's like uh not quite for you yeah it's not so you uh, a high pass filter would be would be really amazing to have with that pedal mm-hmm. but and you can kind of clean it up a little bit more than the than the X7. So as long as you have as long as you have a high pass filter, I would say the Doug Pinnock pedal. If you don't have a high pass filter, I would say the X7. Okay. Okay. Cool. So one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on here, we actually didn't even touch any of this yet. Is <laughs> because uh, I mean I'm sure you you know that there's a lot of and we're not going to get political on this at all. Um, I feel like there's more and more conspiracies coming out daily. Um, whether it be, you know, stuff about adrenochrome or, you know, false claims on who was on the Epstein flights or, you know, whatever. But the one thing that people aren't really talking about is one of my favorite things. And uh, I believe the CIA even came out and said that, yeah, this is a UFO with some, with some UFO footage. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yo, they're finally like admitting it. And then there was like this other thing that like CIA like admitted to like uh, that a craft. Like, yeah. A craft. And I was like, I was like, yo, aliens dog <laughs> aliens. And it just like, it came in the news. Then it just kind of like fell out of the news. And I just like, how is this not the only thing people are talking about? I don't know because everyone is now a, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Dan, but everyone is now a political advisor, um, a doctor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so they have, you know, more, more life-saving um, things to talk about than right. the fact that motherfuckers just admitted that there's a UFO. Now, granted, a UFO is not necessarily saying aliens that's in quote quotations but they were like this has stuff 
on it that we don't have here on Earth. Well, you're right about what a UFO is, but the most recent story, they referred to it as an off-Earth vehicle, like oh, so- a, an otherworldly vehicle. So they didn't say, like, this is space debris that we don't know. They said uh, off, maybe it was off-planet craft or something. They literally said those words, and that was our government saying that. So, I mean, I don't know what that means to you, but to me, that means aliens. That's alien as fuck, if you ask me. Yeah. So I, w- I, I would talk, to, I text you, I think, briefly about this, but uh, it actually really, really, like, sparked an interest in me. And I've been trying to go through, and I'm trying to read. I don't want to watch videos. Like, I'm trying to read about it, and I'm having a hard time kind of um, finding stuff. But uh, I first got introduced to it, um, my guitar player, Doc, uh, told me about, um, gosh, what is it called? Breakaway civilization theory. Okay. The breakaway civilization theory. So they say that we have objects here on earth that couldn't have been made 10,000 years ago. Like there's no way that they could have made that 10,000 years ago without some sort of help or pyramids, the pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So what the breakaway civilization theory is, is that, um, that we were technologically advanced, more technologically advanced than we are right now, but we didn't live, you know, life how we do right now. Um, but we were more technologically advanced. We had better tools, better everything. Mm-hmm. We had spacecraft, which is why you see in all those like old paintings, there's like always, you know, like, oh, it's this alien spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had craft and the ability. And I guess the theory is, is that, um, aliens are a part of this breakaway civilization that are actually humans from 10 to a hundred thousand years ago that left earth because of a catastrophe. And they kind of come in every now and again to check on us mm-hmm. type type thing. And then I kind of heard, um, was it like, uh, George Norrie was on Joe Rogan's podcast or was that George, George Knapp? Norrie, sorry. George yeah. Knapp. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was George Knapp. Uh, yep. And uh, he was talking about uh, a little bit about breakaway civilization. They didn't get too much into it. I'm like, yo, like, what, what, what would do? Uh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of like? So it aliens are humans from ten thousand to a hundred thousand years ago, but like we stopped after certain Earth shattering events. You know, we've mm-hmm. had to start over, but they've just been progressing this whole time. I think uh, all of that is possible. To me, the the biggest crazy theory I've heard that I can kind of get down with is not that they're us from the past, but that they're us from the future. Mm, like okay. that, it's like a, it's more like us ten thousand years from now coming back. Because like basically, it seems like they started making themselves known. If you first of all, let's assume people believe in aliens. Yeah. They started making themselves known right after we started testing nuclear weapons on earth. Yeah. You know, that's the first time people really talked about them, like coming and hanging out and like checking shit out. And you see them around military bases all the time. So part of me, I I could get down with the thought of uh, them being from the future, coming back here, making sure we're not going to blow ourselves up. Yeah. um, And making sure we're not going to destroy this planet, which we could do very, very easily. Yeah. Um, So you actually think that people will still be around in 10,000 years. 
No, I don't. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, if we're here in 10 years, I'll be thrilled. Yeah. Um, um, um yeah. It's so funny. One of, one of my buddies was telling me, he's like, dude, I did DMT. He's like, it's all a fucking lie, man. He's like, we're living in a fucking simulation. He's like, it's not quite like what the matrix is, yep. but he's just like, this shit ain't real. Did, did your buddy have the full on breakthrough? Did he go to the, did he see the elves and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. He saw, well, he saw the aliens. Yeah. And yep. uh, I was like, I like, I don't know if I, if I, if I could like, if I could do that mentally without like going I mean, my brain already goes a million miles an hour all the time as it is with like weird shit. Like I don't need to know certain things right now. I don't think I, uh, I've never done DMT. I'm not a huge drug guy. No, um, I know you're not. You've never even been drunk before. I've never been drunk. I only started doing edibles like two years ago. I've That's still fine. never, I've still never smoked weed. I've never had a cigarette, Good but for like, you. um, but I did take mushrooms a couple weeks ago. And as the first time I've had like a full on mushroom like Ooh, tell me trip where i went to a different place well i was like i saw like this like grapefruit that kind of like broke in half and was all mechanical and all these fractals were coming out of the grapefruit and then i went for a i go on a walk since quarantine i've been going on a walk every like a two mile walk every night oh that's good uh, i went on my walk on mushrooms and i felt like i was 10 feet tall and that i had no knees <laughs> so it was a very weird walk but it was a good time. I saw some cool shit. I had some like, uh, my brain taught me some life lessons, but I have quite a few people who have done like friends that have done DMT and every single one of them has said that it changed their life for the better. Every single one really? of them has, has said that. And well, it only um, lasts like 15 minutes. So I'm not, I'm not actually scared of like the high itself. Cause like mm -hmm. when you do like ayahuasca or you do mushrooms or you do acid Mm -hmm. or anything like that like that's a fucking that's a day right now this is 15 minutes um my favorite quote is is the, i saw a guy say like i was gone for 50 minutes but it felt like i was gone for no less than a hundred thousand years <laughs> and that was Whoa. real so he, he lived like thousands of years in a different place but the, the fr i'm not telling everyone to go do it but the friends that i know that have done it have said it makes you like no longer sweat the small stuff like it gives you perspective of what is truly important. Well, maybe in I do, life, do it, and it it takes your ego away, and uh, which all of us could use at certain times. I mean, we're, we're, we do podcasts because we have an ego, and we think people want to hear what we want to say, and we make music because we think people want to hear the music. So, oh, yeah, ego is not always bad because it can lead to great things, but you know, you can also get inflated. You know, after time, oh, we've yeah. all met musicians that really mm -hmm. think that they're the most important people in the world oh yeah i know i know some and i'm sure you do too <laughs> oh i sure do yeah yeah absolutely i've worked for plenty and and uh they have good qualities too but like you know we could all use we could all come down to peg sometimes it's not the worst thing but aliens yes um uh i just want to know for sure like i just yeah i feel like i do know for sure but all this like acknowledgement from the from world governments and the uh the 2004 tic tac ufo video and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah dude that was is, nuts like I, I it's hard to believe video anymore just with what can be done oh yeah but i've always believed military people and airline pilots because those people have the most to lose like yeah. you can't be in the military if you're crazy like you can't yeah. be a general and like be, be seeing things so when they come forward and say they saw stuff 
or airline pilots, all they're supposed to be able to do is identify aircraft. Yeah. So like they know everything about what happens in the air. So when pilots say they saw something weird that was acting unlike uh, a proper aircraft, I believe that shit. Did you see the article that um, there was a flight? I don't remember where it was coming from, but this was like just a few days ago that like both of the air, the pilots, so they were like, yo, there's a dude with a jet pack out yes. here. It was the LAX. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I saw the headline. See, that's the world we live in. Like 10 years ago, if I saw the headline, I couldn't click on it fast enough and I would be obsessed with it. But the other day I saw the headline, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. What else is happening? Yeah. You know? Oh, well, I, the, the, that actually, I loved it so much because I was just like, that is literally the most, well, not the most ridiculous thing I've seen lately yeah. uh, of headlines. Yeah. But I was like, I need to, and I looked at the source. Because I always look at the source of like where this article is coming from. And this was like LA Times. Yep. So I I was like, okay, like this, like it may not be like exactly what it is, but at least it's a a valuable source where where people can get their news. Sure. And I was like, fucking jetpack? What is it is it homie from San Andreas? Like, like where, oh, dude, like, <laughs> where, where, where do you get it? Like, did Elon Musk make it? Like, who knows? A lot of people are saying it has something to do with with Elon Musk. I don't know. I mean, he was he literally made flamethrowers for people to buy. Well, technically, it's it, technically yeah, the boring company. It, technically, yeah. it's not a flamethrower. It's a uh, fuck. What did he call it? It's the same way they call brass knuckles brass paperweights. Yes. It's a fucking flamethrower. Right. Yeah. 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 It's his uh, his long distance marshmallow cooker, is what it is. (laughs) Long distance. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Dan, um, I know you got to get going here in a minute. Um, So, where can people um, find your podcast? Uh, You can go on um, Apple Podcasts. uh, You can go on SoundCloud. You can go on Spotify and just look up Rare Form Radio um, on social media at Rare Form Radio, you know, Twitter, Instagram all that stuff. We love fan interaction. You know, we're super silly and stupid and don't tell, don't take anything seriously. And That's we talk perfect. about all kinds of wild shit. So it's fun. Well, dude, um, I'm really sad that we didn't get to talk more about aliens, but I guess when they haven't caught up with, with someone in a long time, you kind of get sidetracked, but uh, maybe we'll have to do another one about we'll do, actual... We'll do full on aliens. And if you want alien on... stuff, I can send you Please. a guy. And Dude, alien stuff, Bigfoot stuff, I don't care what it is. Your boy yep. is like about it. So you watched uh you watch Rogan, I assume, right? Uh I listened to it. Okay. I don't, you... I don't I don't like watching podcasts. Remember when he had Bob Lazar on? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the guy that came with him, Jeremy Corbell, is a yeah. friend of mine. No. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who did the film. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. dope. So I'll try to get you guys in touch because he he loves. I mean, he knows everything about the stuff. He's like the guy. He is literally the guy. Yep. Yeah. Sick, dude. All right. So uh, yours your social media handle, if you really care about that, was that Dan? Was it Dan Cleary seventy nine? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. You can find Dan Dan Cleary seventy nine. Look up Reform Podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Kyle. And Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming out. And uh, hopefully I will actually see you in person soon and not via Zoom. I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bud. All right, I'll see you later. Later.
right. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with the always awesome Dan Cleary. Now again, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me at podcast at gmail.com or again, find me on social media at ksconkiel, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know what's been going on with my signal lately, but I've been getting a lot of buzz. I'm not sure if you guys can hear that. I hope it doesn't come over the the recording here. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to move some stuff around. There's like a weird electrical current in my room, and I haven't been getting it on my microphone until recently. So I hope you guys can't hear that. Anyways, I will be back next week with an all new episode of the podcast. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. And I will see you next time.